Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Subhub Podcast with MK Sullivan and Danny Morena. Today we are here with Kimber Maddox, recent winner of the Formidable 50K. Um, she also ran the race in four hours and six minutes, breaking the previous course record by four whole minutes. Um, and being the champion of this race, she is now a qualifier for the U.S. team for the World Champs in Austria this summer. Kimber, welcome. Thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat about races and Team USA. And um, yeah, I love I love the sub ultra distance. So thanks for making it spot a spotlight. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're stoked on it. Um, how are you feeling? Just like first off, like how are the legs feeling today and stuff? Feeling pretty good. Definitely was had very sore quads for a couple of days. Those downhills are they're they're pounders. Um and I think I wasn't totally prepared for the, for the downhill part, but, um, so yes, was sore for a few days down, going downstairs and sitting down was quite challenging for a couple of days, but feeling pretty good now. Anything that required you to go down was sore. Yeah, pretty much like sitting on the toilet was probably the worst MK. I don't know what your, what your worst was. Yeah. You got to like hold yourself while yeah. you sit down on, on your way the toilet but I did see that you went downhill skiing and cross-country skiing afterwards so you were still <laughs> doing more than I was <laughs> well I, I think I think those are those cases where uh, social media makes it looks look more incredible than it is it was very slow moving and pretty pathetic but we we were in we were near Tahoe and we just couldn't pass up playing in the snow for a little bit so absolutely yeah. That's awesome. I, I did a similar thing in 2019. We came back um, and went through Tahoe and yeah, snowboarding. I was just pathetic to say the least. <laughs> I just kept falling on my face and I was like, this, this was a good idea, right? Like, um, but yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself after the race, after an incredible race. Um, well, we definitely want to get into the details of the race recap, uh, but just for, you know, folks that are Maybe they've heard your name here or there, but like they don't know your background. Um, we just want to like dig into that a little bit more and figure out how you got to the sport. So could you give us like a brief Kimber, may maybe not baby Kimber, but like maybe teenage Kimber <laughs> uh, through your athletic years and like how you found yourself in trail running for now almost over seven or eight years at this point? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I I have sort of a, a non-traditional route to running, which I think is sort of true of a lot of trail runners, maybe. Um, but yeah, I wasn't much of a runner until kind of in college. Um, but I ran for a small division three school track and um a little bit of cross country and I actually played soccer in college as well. Um, but found my way into running primarily the steeplechase on the track. Um, and then eventually after college, it's kind of like one of those, someone just suggested, Hey, I think you'd be good at this thing, this trail running thing. So I just hopped in, um, kind of a shorter trail race and, um, just got looped into things like half marathon and the mountain races and had a couple of years of doing that. Um, had a lot of success in that early part and I actually dabbled in obstacle course racing as well. Um, so yeah, that was probably my biggest, my biggest win. I won the warrior dash world championship one time, got a, one of those like $30,000 giant checks. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was kind of trail running career number one. Um, and then had a kind of a long injury break for about three years, just kind of crazy injury. 
um, and didn't really think I'd ever be able to run again, but um, have been able to get back into running in the last few years. So I think 2019 was kind of when I started running again and um, have just been doing trail since then, kind of moving up in distance. So I really like the short mountain stuff to begin with and the half marathon, uh, but now kind of moving up into the longer, still mostly 50K and down, but um, moving up into some of the longer trail stuff. Yeah. And for our listeners, Kimber is extremely humble in that her last year, she's been <laughs> kicking ass, a uh, USA champion, fourth at OCC, an incredible field, uh, top 10 at Worlds also last Fifth year. Fifth at Worlds, right? Fifth at Worlds, top five at Worlds. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this woman has been busy just crushing it. And to also know you are a world champion at obstacle racing doesn't surprise me, but like also <laughs> is really intriguing at the same time. Um, <laughs> So just to go back, so you did steeplechase and then somebody introduced you to trails. Like, I just find that so fascinating because I feel like at least at that point in the history of trail running, like not a lot of people were reaching out to, you know, collegiate athletes or people that were doing the steeplechase. And just Mm -hmm. like, where were you at that moment in your life? And like, why didn't you decide to, you know, keep pursuing steeplechase or pursuing the roads? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, at the time I was still loving track. And so I still really in the spring focused on, on track, but I was just connected with some people that were, that knew the right people sort of. And, um, yeah, it was kind of when Nike trail was starting to get a team going, like in the early stages of Nike trail. And so I sort of got connected with the Nike trail team and that was kind of my introduction, like, Hey, you gotta go try a race and get connected with this, um, Nike trail group. So it was very much like, I didn't even know trail racing was a thing. Honestly, it was, um, my coach at the time, uh, was the person who sort of suggested it to me, but I didn't really even know that trail racing was something that was competitive or even that something that people really did. I was pretty, um, unfamiliar with, with the whole idea of it. So, um, yeah, just that kind of one person saying, Hey, maybe go try this. And, um, and just, I think the strength background of multi-sports, I grew up playing soccer and basketball, and then obviously steeplechase is kind of a strength-based sport. So I think there's a lot of that transferability. And we see that in a lot of, a lot of other trail runners. Like, I don't know what, what your, what your two backgrounds are, but I'm sure there's something unique that you could share that is like, oh, that's, that's where that little trail edge sort of comes from. Yeah, for sure. I was a steeplechaser too. So I am partial to thinking that steeplechasers are good at trails yeah <laughs> you know we got to be good at sighting the hurdle and <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I'm like a hundred percent convinced like steeplechasers are like yeah all the hidden talents <laughs> of trail running uh Grayson Murphy uh Anna Mae Flynn uh Eden Nilsson was like Allie her top and her really good at trails Ali Ostrander like it, the list goes on just it's a plus B definitely equal C in that case yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to do steeplechase um so I hope that counts too <laughs> I think I think there is it yeah does. there's sort of a mindset thing too right just that thing, dear, what's your Danny what's your what's your edge what's your trail racing edge? um I was a middle child <laughs> or I am Ooh, a middle yeah. child <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just forging my own path and trail running was a good spot for that. No, I played a lot of soccer and I played like through high school and, you know, got opportunities for that in college and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I chose running, which was a great choice. Um, OK, that 
I mean, all of that is just so fascinating. So steeplechaser. And so was Nike Trail your first sponsor? Yeah. Yeah. I was with Nike Trail back in like 20, I think it was 2014, 2015, maybe 2016 around that time. Um, And were you still in Eugene at this point or had you (laughs) moved on? Yeah, still in Eugene. Um, yeah, so Eugene is track town, but they have they do actually have some awesome trails that um, I love to go back and run on. Um, but yeah, I was still mostly training as a steeplechaser. And I think Danny maybe sort of trains in this way too, that you're just taking the fitness that you can gain from roads and tracks and probably MK as well. Road and track fitness translates to trail running. There's certainly some specificity with the, especially with lots of vert and the longer stuff, but just taking that, that track fitness really, and, and using it on the trails. Um, it was not always pretty. I remember from, um, that Xterra race, it gets kind of muddy sometimes. And there's this awesome video of me just like totally diving off the side of the trail and having to like <laughs> climb back up. And, um, so it wasn't always pretty. Yeah, for anyone, just go on YouTube, type in Xterra World Championships, and you will easily find that clip because I had definitely <laughs> seen it. Um, so I guess I'm just curious. So you're getting sponsored by Nike Trail. You're in Eugene, and this is your first sponsor collegiately, like post-collegiately. Mm-hmm. Like how how did that feel? Did you feel like there was a weird weight on your shoulder? Did you feel pressure? That just seems like an interesting city to be in, to be repping. Nike at the time? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. And it feels like so long ago and that feel, it does sort of feel like baby Kimber, like middle school Kimber something that I don't really remember what was going on in her brain at the time. But, um, I think there was no more pressure from the spot. I don't think the sponsor side of things felt like pressure, but I think training for track and just the high intensity of trying to qualify for U S championships or Olympic trials, there's certainly a lot of pressure in that. Um, to me, I think the trail stuff sort of felt like lower pressure and maybe that's, um, maybe that's why I gravitated towards it. Um, but it was certainly fun to have that recognition of something, um, just being good at this thing and and then recognizing that. So I think it was a, it was a fun introduction into, into the trail world. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. I tried to continue on on my own on the track after I finished college and found that it was way too high pressure for just me. I much preferred being on a team and I found trails and was like, this is fun. (laughs) I'm going to kind of veer towards this instead. Um, So I totally get that. Yeah. And I think, Um, I think a lot of people would resonate with that sense of trail, just being at a trail race, there feels like this sort of sense of camaraderie and people want everyone else to do well. And, and especially with the team USA stuff, you don't really get to you don't get that team scoring that competing for a team goal or a team medal after college very often so to be able to do that on the trails is is pretty unique that's awesome um well just kind of like because I do want to really dive deep into the race recap um just this so what injury did you have and then what made you decide to return back to the trails because you know, baby Kimber was kicking ass. She was taking world championships. She was falling off the side of cliffs and still climbing her way out of them. And then you get this injury that's a long time and you're coming back and you're just tearing shit up. Uh, you know, arguably 
you know, more than baby Kimber, baby Kimber did. Um, so yeah, what, what happened, I guess. And so, well, that's, that's, that's really, um, encouraging how you just described me as tearing it up more now than baby Kimber. Cause I think I still feel like I'm not as good as I used to be. And I think we all fall into that of like comparing ourselves to how fast we used to be. And that this, this even the sub ultra stuff is just a totally different sport um and a totally different event that you're not gonna I'm not gonna run a 3k PR when I'm training for a 40k right so I think that's uh thank you for that um that very kind <laughs> um compliment um but yeah the injury um it was it was one of those injuries that was really hard to figure out and that's why it went on for so long is I saw I like flew all over the country and saw lots of different people and nobody could really figure out what was wrong. And it was honestly um, just one of the hardest periods of my life. It was it was super hard. And um, I think all of us that come from a really rooted running background or really any sport, you have some identity that's wrapped up in being an athlete and being a runner. And so losing that along with I had a lot of chronic pain through all of that time that was really hard and so it was just like the the lowest of lows for me for sure um and so it took a long time to to get to the point where I was actually okay with if I could never be a runner again that I was that I would be okay um and it was kind of at that point when I you know finally was like okay I can I can just be Kimber and and having to learn a new sort of learn a new identity and that people still loved me, even if I wasn't athlete Kimber or runner Kimber, that my friends and my family, like that we all have just us, our heart, our, you know, who we are, that people love. And it's kind of a hard lesson to learn. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, but yeah, coming out on the other side of that, I, I really, for a long time, couldn't, I couldn't run a, a step really. And even for a long time, I couldn't really exercise um, I joke that we had this t- period of time where all I could do was bench press and bicep curls. So just every single day I did the bench press and I never got any better at it, even doing it every day. Um, but um, so when, so eventually through some really incredible things, I think just some healing and some really incredible um, healing people um, like physical therapist, osteopath, we were able to figure out what was going on. And it was really driven by low back, um, kind of like lumbar spine instability. But in the process, I had every treatment you can imagine. I had a hip surgery, like a labral repair that maybe wasn't even really needed. Um, and so I, I learned a lot through that process, but eventually was able to start hiking a little bit. And so I just like hiked my butt off for probably like a year and then eventually was able to start running a little bit. And um, just gradually got to the point where um, I could race. And so I hopped in the U.S. Mountain Champs in 2019. I think that was my first race in like two or three years. And um, that was kind of my reintroduction. And so it's just been kind of building it back from there. Wow. I think um, that is yeah. such ahead, a cool yeah. story. And I also think that uh, like this will be good, especially because we're talking, uh, you know, mostly sub ultras and a lot of the athletes in the sub ultra space are younger. Like we're Andy Wacker's doing this whole thing, like bringing collegiate athletes in. And I think for younger athletes to hear, like you had a three year period where you couldn't run and you came back and like, especially for females, like to know that our best years are still ahead of us in our late twenties, our early thirties, mid thirties, like 
is so encouraging to like mm-hmm. athletes who are 23 and hurt right now and you know can't quite yeah. see past that because they feel like now is the time that they're good you are crushing it still and so um i think that's a really encouraging story that that we can now share um Yeah, I think that's such such a good point. And I think I recently read Lauren Fleshman's um, book, uh, Good for a Girl. And (laughs) you're talking about injury and I'm talking about injury, right? But for females, there can also be these plateaus or declines in performance that have more to do with growing and our bodies changing and that we can also rebound after that and be really good. And we have pregnancy sometimes and a whole variety of things, mental health issues, you know, eating disorders any of those things can be little lulls in in training that can be really hard periods of life. And we grow and change a lot in those times. And I think you're right. Having that encouragement that talent doesn't go away. I remember my college coach actually saying that one time, because I, I ran a tiny bit in high school and then I showed up my sophomore year of college and was like, I don't know if I'm any good anymore, but Hey, I want to try this running thing. And, and he, I remember him saying, talent doesn't go away. Like fitness, we can always build fitness back. Right. So I think you're right. Just that reminder that we can have these, these plateaus or these long periods of time where we don't run at all and we can find that again. So I think that's a great, yeah, great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredibly inspiring Um, for sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, one last thing on your background before we go into race recap Tell us a little bit about um, your job. I know that you and your partner, Eric, just moved to Fort Collins, and I'd love to hear more about your exercise physiology um, teaching position. Yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of, ever since, ever since I finished grad school, I've pretty much been a college instructor of some kind. I've kind of gone in phases of it being full-time or part-time, but I... Yeah, I currently teach at Colorado State University in the Health and Exercise Science Department, and I teach a variety of classes, um, exercise physiology, physical activity throughout the lifespan. Uh, Previously at the place I was at before, I was teaching anatomy and physiology and nutrition. Um, So it's really pretty fun, uh, especially exercise physiology. It's taking a lot of the things that we have to rely on this knowledge, our physiology, our nutrition, our fueling. Um, and getting to teach about that and give them, you know, real world examples of those things. Um, so it's it's a pretty fun job, but um, there are certain, it makes racing limited to some degree, especially during the academic year that um, I can't travel internationally maybe as much as I would like, but they're very kind in letting me, you know, be being flexible, but um, yeah, pretty fun just getting to teach about the things that are so, that I love and are so interesting to me. Um, so yeah, pretty fun. That's awesome. That's cool. All right. I feel like we could keep talking about, I want to know all the story of Kimber, um, and that could go on for hours, Uh, (laughs) but we promised the folks a race recap. So let's start to dive into that. Uh, I, so we have both Kimber and MK here who went one, two, and are now both members of Team USA. Wow. I am, I'm amongst queens right now, which is just <laughs> so cool. I'm blessed. Um, how did you, just both of you guys, like, how did you guys feel going in? Like, confidence high, just going in to get the job done. Yeah. 
sentiments. Well, but before we jump into that, I want to say that before MK and Danny reached out to me about um, doing this little interview, before I even knew about all this, I sent Danny a message or I re- responded to one of Danny's messages just congratulating me. And I was like, we need you to be on this team. <laughs> yeah. So MK and I are going to try to convince Danny to, to qualify for this team because we need her. Um, I love that. Uh, Maybe if I'm around Danny, you guys. Danny's got a wedding. I know (laughs) just a small schedule detail it's a couple of weeks before the race so I don't know it's one of those things where it's like I could but I think it wait is it is it your wedding or you're going to a wedding no it's my wedding oh that's exciting you should enjoy that I I plan on going to yes yeah you should go you should probably go to that but you could you could just do that in Austria right oh totally yeah yeah just change the last minute and then yeah mini moon in Austria we have talked about that so yep (laughs) no you should you should enjoy that I I got married this last summer and um there's always races that could get in the way and I almost traveled to Europe right before the wedding and I was so thankful that I didn't like that's a life thing you want to soak it up and it's just such a fun such a fun thing so don't let us be bad influences on it (laughs) yeah no your wedding will be way more fun yeah <laughs> I love it less painful yeah. less yeah. painful <laughs> maybe I dance really hard so we'll see yeah Danny's gonna that. be as sore as we are yeah <laughs> all right okay uh, <laughs> how'd you guys feel going into formidable I'd love to hear <laughs> MK oh. you you go first I want to know what was going through your head Okay. Uh, I was feeling really good. Um, a little maybe underprepared, mostly just because I had been training for the Houston half marathon and then ran that race and then had a month before formidable. So it was a bit of a quick turnaround, but I, I still felt like I had the background enough that I could get it done. But I was telling Danny earlier that, um, prior to the race, I accidentally drank way too much caffeine, like, way too much. I had a cold brew and I finished the whole thing. And Tommy was like, did you look to see how much caffeine was in there? And I Googled it and there were 330 milligrams of caffeine in it. So, so, um, I was feeling good, just maybe a little nauseous. That that explains why you were going out so fast. And I was like, man, why are I running so fast? (laughs) this is is what I wanted to hear I was like what was Kimber's perspective (laughs) on this um how do you feel Kimber were you over caffeinated as well I was not over caffeinated I was probably just about just about right on on caffeine levels um but yeah coming into it I'd had some sort of in the weeks leading up I'd kind of had some sort of niggles that that injury that I was out for those several years sometimes I'll get little flare-ups of like of things that are tight and or weird symptoms um, so I didn't really, so it was kind of like where you have to cut back training a little bit and it's just not quite ideal training. So I guess I was going into it with kind of the mindset of get the job done, sort of like I was there just to try and make the team, whether that was first or second or, you know, whatever it might be. And also knowing that I might not make the team on that day. Um, so yeah, I wasn't like super confident, but I knew that I'd had, um, reasonable training. So just, yeah, coming into it um trying to get the job done but also knowing that um I would needed to start conservative because I didn't really know um where where fitness was at and also even where like my body was at like even the the night before the race thinking like okay I'm not really sure I can run a 50k this weekend um 
and and I think also for me, um, training in Colorado has been new. So just moving here within the last six months or so, um, winter training is is different and getting in trails and vert and steep vert has been pretty hard. And so uh, just, yeah, just not knowing really what my preparation level would be like. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, when did, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, but then when, yeah, when, MK and Claire and there's some, with some other ladies up there. It's kind of like, I'm going to sit back as much as I can, but still stay close enough. Um, but it's, it was fun to have them out there kind of making it an honest race. I love that. Yeah. That was similar when I ran in 2019, it felt honest from the get go. I was like, all right, no one's sitting back. Like we're all going for this. And mm-hmm. that's when, you know, it's going to be a good day. You're just like, I mean, get the most out of myself just awesome. So the race develops. Who was in that front pack? I guess the first 10 miles or so. Um, it was me, Kimber and Claire Rhodes. And then I think Allison Baca was with us for a little bit as well. Um, but after we got back to the start finish line at mile five, it was just the three of us. And that was a little wild because the 35 K started 15 minutes after us, but they didn't do the first loop. So we spent the whole first descent down to no hands, just like passing hordes of people. It was just a constant of like, on your left, there's three of us on your left, three people on your left. (laughs) Um, So that was interesting. But yeah, Yeah, it was the three of us. Oh, no, you go. Oh, I was going to say, I also thought it was it was sort of funny um, in hindsight. Now I remember someone, one of the other um, ladies asking something about like during a race, like when you just have to pee, do you stop? Or do you just like keep running? And I remember my response being like, you know, I've never really been in a race where I couldn't like, it was never that close that if like, I would just stop because you're either, you know, several minutes behind someone or several minutes in front. And it was sort of like this, you know, foreshadowing. Like, it was a it was a tight race <laughs> the whole way, and thank goodness I didn't have to pee because um because it was that close that it'd be you know they were just all right there for a long time. I was also laughing at that comment at like mile twenty when I was like, Kimber was like, I've never been in a race this close, and there was no time to stop the entire yeah. four hours. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, Did you guys yeah. all carry your own? stuff or were you stopping at aid stations with it being so close I feel like that's something that becomes really important even for a 50k because this 50k you're flying you're running just four hours and change yeah I carried all of my like nutrition and um um bottles that had calories in it but I had like a water bottle that I was stopping to fill up at aid stations of just regular water but some of them were crowded yeah, there were, yeah, I, I, that's always a decision for me, like the, the vest versus the handheld versus the belt. And I think I always, if I can get away with not wearing a vest, then I go that route. So I just did the handheld and a belt and, um, put my, my nutrition in my belt, um, pretty much just gels and then had my handheld, which was electrolytes. And I just filled it up as I went, um, at, at a few aid stations, but there were a couple where I kind of wanted to stop, but it was more crowded. And so I just kept going. Um, yeah. but they, I mean, they do a great job. There's so plenty of aid stations. So, um, they do a really good job of, of keeping you well supported. Nice. So, um, 
when did it start to spread out a little bit? Because in the end, you guys all finished very close to one another. But at some point, the group had to start breaking apart. Like who made that move and what were the reactions to the move? Can I take this one? Because I was behind you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say before that, in the I would say like in the first half of the race, at least I know my perspective. I was like first 12 to 15 miles. I'm trying to do as little work as possible yeah. and keep my heart rate as low as possible. And so I felt like I was like totally dogging it. And they were like, they were like keeping it honest. And I was just like, just sitting at the back. So I feel sort of bad. Um, but I knew I was like, I gotta, I gotta take it as easy as possible at the beginning. And like, I hiked some of the first couple hills. Um, I, if I could like stay close enough to them and, and hike instead of run, that's what I did. Um, so first part, yeah, I know I was, I was sitting back, so I don't know what MK's perspective on that, on that (laughs) first part was like. Yeah. The first part, Claire and I were definitely going back and forth a lot, like taking that lead, but we got to training hill, which is the second big hill on the course. Um, Claire and Kimber were just gone. And I kind of figured they would be because my climbing legs, I know that Kimber's a really good climber and I'm still getting to know Claire, but now I know that she's also a very good climber. Um, and so Claire was running, Kimber was like right behind her. And I had told myself going to that race that I had to hike that hill. So I was like, well, maybe they'll come back to you, but right now they are gone. (laughs) And so that's kind of like, it broke up pretty big there for me at least until probably the bottom, like where we went down to the river between mile 14 and 18. And that was, I didn't catch back up to you guys until that point. Um, but then we were back in our little accordion for a little bit and then Kimber put the jets on. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, I from that first half of the, of the race, um, I my goal was to yeah be as conservative as possible. But sometime in that first half of the race, I had the like fear like oh my gosh they're too fast for me I can't like I have to use the uphill. Um, and yeah, kudos to Claire she was climbing super strong and and like no fear she was I feel like the first she was you know running confident and I think on any given day any of the three of us could have been the one to cross the finish line first. Um, Oh yeah. But so I know for me, I think it was kind of that third climb. Uh, Would that be where things kind of, I had this thought in my head, just like, I kind of got to use this to, um, to try to push a little bit uh, because I just knew that there, I was afraid that with the downhills and the flats that um, they were going to be too fast for me. That's definitely not my, my strength is, is usually climbing. Um, and, and, um, so I, I think I, I knew I needed to sort of use that to at least like push a little bit and, and make them, them work a little bit and, and play to my strength there. And then I knew it's kind of like, okay, then you're kind of flat and sort of flat and rolling for a long time. And then there's just a big descent and another big climb. So that was where I, I kind of knew I, I needed to put a little push in, um, just to play to my strength. Yeah, I think that was a really smart move too because you put a ton of time on me on that hill. And then I I was like trying so hard to catch you on the rolly part and I kept getting close and then we'd come to another little hill and you'd be gone again and I'd get close again. And so like, yeah, I think making that move on the third hill was was solid for you. I was still trying to just survive that hill. <laughs> was the Is the third hill the one with the switchbacks? It's like the yeah. longer one. Cool. Mm-hmm. So then that's 
So Kimber, then at that point, are you kind of like running scared? Like I need to get as far away from these girls or is it, I'm feeling good. I'm glad I did the first part like that. I'm going to run this home. I think a combination of both. I felt pretty good, like energy wise, but um, I really was feeling it in my quads pretty early in the race. I think because I just hadn't done a lot of hard downhill running because of the niggles that had sort of popped up. And um, so I was really feeling it in my quads by probably mile 16 or 18. Um, And so I was actually nervous I was going to have cramps or something like that because I've had that in other races like like OCC major cramp issues and um a couple of other races so I was I was kind of afraid of that but energy wise I felt pretty good and so um I think a combination of both I I did look back a lot to see where MK was at um but also to see like I just you know I had still had that perspective of trying to be in the top two and I think from very early on in the race I remember having the thought like this is going to be a battle to the finish, whether I'm battling for second place or battling for, for first, uh, it was clear it was going to be a, you know, a tough race. So I think a, a bit of both, but I was, I was kind of loving that MK was still like, there was never a point when she like gave up. And, and I think probably in her head, she felt like she was further behind me than she was in those last like 10 miles of the race, because you get to a point where you can't really see the people in front of you because the trails are you know, a little more windy, there's more trees. Um, so I don't think MK was really ever that far behind me, even if it felt like she was, or she couldn't see me. Yeah. I told Danny before we started recording that, um, when we went down to you at way too cool aid station, you were probably like 40 seconds in front of me. And I had, I was having a really hard time eating because of all the caffeine. So I was starting to feel it. And so mentally I was like, Oh, she's gone. And you. I couldn't see you on the downhill because once you get to that downhill, you're in the trees, it's windy. And I got to no hands and you were only on the other side of the bridge. And I was like, oh, she was there the whole time. Yeah. Um, but you did put a lot of time on me on that last hill because at that point, yeah, I was in the mindset of like, just don't get third. You have to make this team like just get second. Like Kimber, you might catch her, but she's having a day. She's probably going to win it. Just don't get third today. <laughs> I love that. So did you have people yelling at you, Kimber, how close MK was? Um, You know, I could see MK, like, like I just was looking back a little bit and seeing where she was at. So I didn't really need someone Tell to me tell me. me. At one point, at one point, I think I asked Tommy um, <laughs> where third place was. Cause I just, again, yeah. wanted to make, like, I was there to like try to get the job done. Um, and, but otherwise I could, I really could tell where MK was most of the time until that last, like after we get, got back over no hands, um, bridge it's from there. I wasn't really sure, but it was kind of like, you just got to keep pushing forward. I was also fortunate to have some like men in front of me that, um, I think it's helpful sometimes to just be thinking about, I could be thinking about trying to run from the person behind me, but at some points it was more helpful for me to think about trying to catch the people in front of me and like the men in front of me. And so I think that was some of my perspective too, was like, try to keep moving forward, try to keep making up ground on these, on the, on the men that were in front of me. That's awesome. And for the listeners out there, Tommy is MK's husband. So just yeah. again, reinforcing how awesome this community is. Uh, mm-hmm. Second place's husband is telling first place how far his wife is from her, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is probably wouldn't happen in a road race. So um, yeah. no. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so both of you guys finish, both finish under the previous course record. Did you guys yeah. know how fast you were running at all during the I race? Thought, I thought for sure I was going to run way slower than the course record just because of how I was feeling, because we'd been like what felt like sprint finishing from mile 12 on. And um, so when I crossed the finish line at un, like 10 seconds under, I was like, oh my gosh, we were rolling out there. Yeah. And I feel like there was points in, you know, like you're kind of always checking your watch a little bit throughout the race, just to see like, where are we at in terms of mileage? How much time do we have left? And going into the race, I never had the perspective of even really thinking about or trying to go for the course record, but I did know generally what it was. Um, and I remember thinking like, we might be like way under the course record based on the pace that we'd been running, but the course was a little bit longer than, um, I don't know if it would be previous years or just longer than what I had in my head, like thinking, oh, it's 30.5 miles and it was more like 31 point something. And so I think actually early, like maybe halfway through the race, I started to realize like we're moving at a pretty good pace and we we might be under the course record. Um, but I think the last part of it took longer than I was expecting. So we were almost like closer, like yeah. I thought we might be under four hours based on where we were at and thinking it was a 30.5 mile course yeah they changed the course a little bit Danny like the day or the week before and so the first loop was a little bit longer than previous years so yeah it was like 31 and you know 0.3 or something instead of the 30.5 that it had been previously Thing. But I, I do think we had a, a fast year. Like the, the course was pretty yeah. dry. There were maybe a couple of muddy so spots, but it was dry and fast. And so I think with course records on, on trails, like the conditions matter. And, you know, of course, the course record is always a great accomplishment, but it does not detract from the people who've run, you know, four hours and 20 minutes on a year that it's muddy and slow. Um, we had, we definitely had a fast and dry year yeah yeah which, the creek crossing we only had one and it was only ankle deep so <laughs> no that's amazing I mean it's just like for me it's so cool because it just reinforces how competitive and how fast racing is getting regardless of if you had ideal conditions or not like you guys ran hella fast for 31 and change miles. Uh, Kimberly, you ended up being 755 average, like, and then MK, you're just a, a hair off of that. Like, it just gets me so yeah. fired up and it's just inspiring across the board. And I think I told MK before the race, I was like, yeah, I think it could be a sub four course like if everything was going well. And so that just like makes me feel a lot better that you guys ran a mile extra because it probably means that I was right. So <laughs> I think I think even the course, I actually think the course that it is, even that little bit longer course, I think it could be a, a sub four hour course on like if yeah. you if you were really going for it, um I think that it it could be. Thank you, Kimber. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I agree. In the end, this inter whole interview is about me just making sure that I feel reinforced in my predictions. <laughs> okay. Well, if you'll if you'll try and go for the team USA, we'll we'll make you feel as good as you want. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, <laughs> it's like when someone's flirty with me and I change the topic. I was like, oh, Kimber. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, okay. Well, just as an outsider perspective, kudos again. Just 
I, for Team USA selection races, to me, that is the epitome of what a Team USA selection race should be. Like, it should be tough. You should be fighting to the end for your spot. It's for people who want that spot so much. And yeah, you guys couldn't walk and sit down to pee and poop the next day, <laughs> um, which tells me you put your whole effort into that. And it just makes me even more excited to follow along, follow along the world championships in June. Cause I know we're sending good people. Maybe if Kimber keeps flirting with me, I'll think about it. Um, <laughs> so just to transition to this last part, um, just like what's next for you, Kimber. So again, congrats. Uh, what are you going to do between now and worlds? I'm taking worlds is a big focus for you this year. Uh, after getting fifth place last year, maybe you have some goals for this year. Yeah. And just so that we don't get it wrong. I was, I was seventh at worlds. Oh, I don't want to take, take more, spot <laughs> but um, I appreciate that. that. That's so, so uh, badass. <laughs> but yes, definitely, definitely. A, um, definitely a focus is worlds. And, um, one thing we were kind of, you know, I think sort of exchanging messages about is kind of what, like thinking about worlds and thinking about the last worlds, like, what do you, why that race and, and what do you take away from it? And I think thinking back about the, this past year's race in Thailand, it was really fun to have all of the teams together. And maybe you guys will kind of talk about that if you dig into, um, team USA selection a little bit, but having the short mountain race teams and the long distance teams and the men and the women all together and having whatever, like 50 or 40 athletes from team USA all there together was really unique. Um, and even just some really inspiring things to get to watch, like, especially the men's, um, 80k team man they just like fought for every spot and this is something that I didn't I didn't real I thought that these races were like cross-country scoring style where it's based on your position and just adding up those points but it's actually based on the accumulation of time which means that every second and every minute matters for anyone who's in your scoring positions and um, that can make the difference right like if you run 30 seconds faster, 30 seconds slower, even if it doesn't take you up a place or back a place. And so I think um, I really like that team aspect of things. So looking ahead um, to to the Worlds this year, I, I really want us to put together a good team and like shoot for Like I want to win a gold medal with the team, you know, I, like it was so cool to see that for the men and that, you know, them to be up there celebrating together, that win together. Um, so I'm excited about that. So for sure, world is a big focus and and just really wanting wanting us to be able to represent well when we go there um and then beyond that I'm still kind of figuring out there's so many different cool races in this time of year like in April and May um tentatively I'm thinking of doing ultra trail Australia in the middle of May um and then beyond that there's lots of I have like a million ideas but still figuring out exactly what uh, what else I want to fill in there. I like the idea of a of doing an FKT, whether it's in the spring or the fall, trying to do something like that. I, when I did I did that Grand Canyon last year and it was just a, a unique thing that felt like racing, but in this really um organic, low-key way. So I would love to find another um FKT to sort of go after. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I love that. 
And yeah, big, uh, big plus one on the team aspect. It's really contagious. And when you are there from day one to the last race, it's, it's incredible. And we did forget that little resume. Kimber is the fastest woman ever to cross the Grand Canyon. I feel like that should be noted in her rim to rim. It's just like such a crazy thing to think of, right? Like you're the fastest female to ever get from one side to the other. It's, it's incredible. Um, Awesome. So I guess the last thing is, so if you do that ultra trail in South Africa, right? That one, that would, Australia, that would qualify you for, um, OCC. OCC. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to do OCC. It's a little hard with my work because we start our semester before that. So we'll see if that's really possible, but, um, that I would like to do it again. It was so, so fun this last year and also so incredibly painful. Um, the, just the ups and the downs of that race and Danny coming up behind me and just running a really smart race and just crushing it in the, in the second half. Um, so yeah. Thanks for love Kimber. No, yeah, I really appreciate hopefully it. We will, uh, hopefully we'll all three be there crushing together since we can't yeah. do worlds this year, you know. Pseudo so team USA. Yeah, <laughs> Got to put a ring on my finger. That's already there. Yeah. Um, so I guess, it, uh, so with OCC, is it because it's one week later this year? Is that why it runs into your schedule versus mm, last it, year? It actually ran into my schedule last year. I was like, I was teaching, but I just did it remotely that week. Um, so they were very kind and flexible, but so we'll see if I can swing that again or not. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I have okay. one more question yes. before we leave. Um, what in your training is going to change between now and June? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll, I don't think there'll be a ton that changes. I, I don't, I train relatively low volume for an ultra runner. Um, and we focus kind of on a lot of the same things throughout the year, good aerobic base, keep maintaining running economy, but then also the specificity of what we're training for. So um, I hope hopefully either spring break or as the trails get more, more clear, less snow, hopefully I can get in a little bit more vert, a little steeper climbing um, between now and June. But I think the the majority of training will be pretty, pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And you have years of background with training on vert. So you should be good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it, 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 there is a specificity thing that's hard to, hard to mimic, especially when you're going over to Europe, there's a different, yeah, it's a different kind of steep trails over there. Amen. Sister. For for me, it's the humidity. I like forget what it's like. (laughs) Oh yeah. Until we go over there. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. I personally, I really, I kind of like the heat. So, um, that's always that I don't usually mind that too much, but of course it affects our performance no matter what, even if we like being warm. Right? <laughs> yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, well, was cool. Last question, just to wrap us up, any shout outs to people for this last training block and like formidable coaches, parents, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely to my coach, uh, my coach, David Roach, almost everyone knows David. Um, but he is always just, um, believing in me more than I believe in myself, uh, which is really helpful. And also just no pressure this training block. I had some of these niggles and there was never any pressure. Even the day before the race, he was like, if you do that first six mile loop and you're not feeling it, 
if like if your back is bugging you, if you're you know having any injury related issues, it's not worth risking it in February. So just really, really um, good balance of believing in me and 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 helping me to train hard, but also not putting the pressure on to force me into you know into a bad position of injury when we don't need it. Um, and then I had the best cheering squad ever at formidable. My, my husband, Eric came and then two of my friends, um, from the Bay area drove out and they were just all over the course cheering and, um, just, just so fun. So very thankful for them. I love that. They were super hype and they were cheering for me too. It was very, it was very welcome. (laughs) I love that. Oh, gets me so hype. I want to do something. No, I'm so happy Soon. for you both. Um, well, if you too would like to qualify for a USA team, there are some races coming up in April. Early April, there's Lake Sonoma 50 Mile, where you could qualify for the 80K team. And then we have Sun of Peace Scramble, April 29th in New Hampshire for the Classic team and the Vertical team. I believe they're back to back. And then the next opportunity to qualify for the team that is both Kimber and MK right now, which who wouldn't want to be teammates with these wonderful ladies, uh, is Breakneck Point Trail Marathon in New York, May 6, 2023. So yeah, thanks for coming on, Kimber. Love this conversation. feel like we could talk to you for days. Um, so hopefully we could have you on again someday. Yeah, so fun. And yeah, we, yeah, we're, we're recruiting strong women. We want to we wanna represent Team USA well. So yeah, come come join us. Love it. Thanks, Kimber. Thank yeah, you. thank you.